Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the morning show. Good morning, Andy. Good morning. I think I just burped. Who? I just burped, I think. <laughs> Great way to start today. Yep. 35 degrees in Jackson, but despite the cold morning, we're going to have a beautiful day. 66, a lot like yesterday, a windy day today, and then uh, rain. We could see some big storms tomorrow. They're actually getting as much as two feet of snow in the upper Midwest. It's just crazy, right? It's that's the way we deal with spring every year. So enjoy today, because uh, it could be the last uh, nice day for the week. Yeah, uh, it's April. April showers, April snowstorms bring May flowers. Uh, last night, Jackson College received a, a very generous gift from the estate of Myrna Burlett, former teacher at Jackson College, presented by Mark Snedeker, who represents the Myrna Burlett estate, $1.295 million. And there's the JC Board of Trustees posing with the giant check. And they are going to use this to fund science equipment purchases. There's Mark Snedeker talking about the gift. Dr. John Powell, who's a uh, current professor of biology at JC, actually was a student of Myrna Burlett. Oh, wow, that's yeah. neat. And, you know, he's the dad of Katie Powell, who was on our show last week, that did the science fair. You're kidding me. No. So science runs deep in the uh, Powell family. So they were... Uh, That's cool. Could you imagine uh, being able to present a check like that? Yeah, I mean, how pretty cool. cool. Uh, yeah. Communities, are, uh, communities thrive when uh, you have benefactors that... Uh, support and uh, give back like that and that's no small dollar amount she had already um given five million dollars to the dom yep. so it's awesome uh, and mark snedeker told me he's got a couple more checks to give uh, in the million dollar range so that's awesome it's good stuff yeah. good news kind of wish we invited Myrna Burlett over for dinner more often <laughs> <laughs> so inflation the inflation numbers have been uh out today so they did hit 8.5 percent as expected as expected so you know where do we see that mostly you and i gas and groceries but uh, of course it affects anything um, any service work you need done it really affects the whole economy hasn't uh risen this fast since uh, 1980 do you remember inflation and the chatter in 1980 of course in 1979 80 that was the uh, largest really inf inflation spike since world war one so uh, it was really the first inflation in your lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, do you remember the uh, talk of the town? Was I it do. Like we can't afford milk. What was it? Well, uh, President Ford launched this campaign called WIN and had these buttons made, W-I-N, whip inflation now. And <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if someone did that uh, now? They wouldn't be president. Uh, the pandemic, the war in Ukraine, all contributing. And of course. Uh, today, President Biden is expected to uh, expand sales of higher ethanol gasoline, which would potentially lower gas prices, five to 10 cents a gallon. It's a more polluting um, type of gas, so they've been uh, reluctant to mm -hmm. allow that. But um, he's going to an ethanol plant in Iowa today where it's expected he'll make that announcement. That's really only gonna, really would only affect the Midwest and uh, I believe it's less than 3% of pumps nationwide even mm -hmm. have that gas, so. Yeah, it's not available in uh, high smog cities like Los Angeles and uh, New York, so it will affect um, just a portion of the country. Yeah, mostly in the, in the uh, Midwest. Mm -hmm. I think we have some, 
E do we, we have do. some here? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we do. We have some E85. Uh, if you get a call from the Jackson Police Department, uh, be warned, Elmer Hitt, Chief of Police, said that people are calling, identifying themselves as Sergeant Pete or Officer Pete, attempting to solicit uh, personal information. Don't give anything out over the phone to anyone. Yeah, do not. And uh, if you're not sure, just hang up. Um, but if you'd like to be involved with the police department, there's a great opportunity for a young person to consider a career in law enforcement. JPD is now hiring a police cadet, often uh, recruited after graduating high school. Cadets assist officers with patrol duties and ga gain firsthand experience in law enforcement. So if that's something you're interested in, contact uh, Jackson Police Department. Maybe they'll find a Pete. <laughs> there might be a Pete there. I don't think there is a Pete there. No, I don't think there is either. But uh, great opportunity to uh, begin a career in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know you're a big fan of uh, sugary breakfast cereals. Uh, today, there's a concern nationwide about Lucky Charms. Really? Yes. Apparently, um, while an official recall has not been initiated, the FDA is investigating reports that Lucky Charms is causing gastrointestinal issues. There's actually a website called IWasPoisoned.com, and I think I'm going to start checking that daily. I am too, because... I, uh, I have gastrointestinal issues. Over 2,500 reports. I have. Yeah, some of these people, uh, the diarrhea is being described as blue. Really? Uh-huh, and green. And some of the people post their little uh, testimonials. My daughter, age three, loves her Lucky Charms. Recently she had some in a sandwich bag and by the end of the day was throwing up in my car. Uh, here's one. Um, you know, Lucky Charms have been fine, and now all of a sudden people are getting sick off of them? Well, people, I, I was reading the reports, and people continue to eat them. There's, hey, I'm a regular purchaser of Lucky Charms, and the last few times I've eaten them, I've gotten diarrhea. Stop eating them. That's a pretty obvious solution. Yeah. yeah. I bought them, and every time I ate them, I would feel nauseous, and <laughs> I'd get diarrhea. So I just get a stomachache every time I... <laughs> I eat those, but no, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I know they sell just marshmallows too, so maybe try the regular and the just marshmallows and see which the stomach comes from. New so slogan. I call uh, real or not. I'm going to call that not real. Not real. I don't know. I think it's uh, you know people get get it. They're eating too much of the junk. Um, they're tragically delicious. <laughs> <laughs> hey, to, uh, this month it's uh, child abuse and neglect. Child abuse and Prevention Awareness Month, and uh, there's a donation drive to recognize Child Abuse and Neglect Prevention Month, and we right here at JTV have a donation box in the lobby. So uh, if you want to stop by and drop something off, we're collecting cleaning supplies, personal hygiene products, new blankets, socks, underwear of all sizes, diapers, wipes, baby shampoo and wash, sleep sacks, and pack and plays. Nice. So, yeah, we, uh, we have a box here. We have a box here. So, yeah, all month uh, we'll be collecting uh, donations for that. So help us help the community. Hey, I want to say hi to Phyllis Sleet. Phyllis Sleet, longtime viewer. She's 96 today, and I'm sure she'll be in the birthday club a little bit awesome. later. Happy birthday, Phyllis. Happy birthday, Phyllis. Uh, mask mandates are back in the city of Philadelphia, the first major U.S. city to uh, reinstate an indoor mask mandate. 
the new Omicron variant is mm -hmm. um, in the Northeast now. And have you seen Shanghai? I have not. Is it, is it shut down? Yeah, Lockdown. Still. Yeah. yeah, they've been shut down for a long time. Um, and I don't know if you heard me yesterday, but uh, they used to have the busiest airport in the world. But uh, now Atlanta does. I did watch that. Okay, uh, Denver's shooting up there, too. Great airport. Another wonderful airport. I believe mm -hmm. seven of the t top ten busiest now are in the United States. And, of course, during the pandemic, they were all the busiest were in China. Interesting. It's obviously the pandemic is still very much with us. Uh, your uh, friend Jawan Howard is uh, being rumored to be the next coach of? The Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> yes. Uh, the Atlantic reporting that uh, Jawan Howard, who did interview for that job uh, two or three years ago, is uh, being considered the fired their head coach. Yeah, he was an assistant coach with the Miami Heat uh, during LeBron James' um, stint with Miami and, uh, you know, someone that uh, he's familiar with. I don't know that anyone would want to go and coach L.A. right now after what they've done to their last coach. Um, so I don't think Jawan's leaving Michigan. I heard you talk about the uh, the Masters uh, yesterday, and you watched that from start to finish? Start to finish, yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Uh, I read this story about Scotty Schaffler and his caddy, Ted Scott, and uh, it was a very interesting story, um, kind of how they met. They're both Christians. Ted Scott worked with Bubba Watt, who is, of course, a... Uh, very uh, devout Christian, and and um, and Ted like interviewed with him and uh, said they he had his family pray about it for a week, and then they took another week, and it's just interesting how they finally got together. Um, so it's a it's an interesting story if you're into golf. Uh, Ted Scott and Scotty Scheffler. It's amazing uh, that young man, just 25 years old. Everyone thought he looked about. Like 40. <laughs> I know. Well, he acts 40. And uh, so Ted Scott has been on his bag for nine tournaments. And he high has school. won $9 million in those nine tournaments. In high school, you know what the, their uh, school mascot is? Hmm. The Scotties. Is it? Yeah. That's perfect. I think he went to the same uh, high school as Clayton Kershaw and Matt Stafford. So uh, that high school, and I think it's Highland Park, California, they... Uh, they put out some talent. Today's show is brought to you by Addison Awning, specializing in custom design of business and residential awnings of all shapes and styles. An expert in boat covers built to your needs and made with strict attention to detail to protect your boat and keep it looking like new. Quality design experience. Their sign shop produces custom-made vinyl, hand-painted, and commercial Science, thanks to Addison Awning for helping us bring you today's show. We do a beautiful job with um, sun patios, too. Yes, yep. for sure. Uh, April is Minority Health Month, and the Center for Family Health reminds you that this is an important time to recognize the gaps in health care people of color contend with in our communities. Minority groups experience inequalities in our health care system, which creates a disproportionate burden of preventable disease, death, and disability when compared with non-minorities. The Center for Family Health works hard to ensure equal access to care for all their patients. Visit centerforfamilyhealth.org today to learn how the center works to provide equal care for all. The Center for Family Health has been opening the door to health care for all in Jackson County 
for more than 30 years. Let's get to some scores. It's time for our Extreme Dodge scoreboard, brought to you by our friends at Extreme Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Check out their great new oil change building. They'll get you in and out and even serve you cookies and coffee while you wait. Baseball, Northwest 15, Grass Lake 0, Northwest 6, Grass Lake 1. Quincy beat East Jackson twice, 11-0 and 12-1. Hanover Horton whitewashed Bath, 16-1 and 12-1. And Jackson High had two wins over Waverly, 13-1 and 6-3. Some blowouts early season uh, on the diamond. Over in softball, Napoleon had no trouble with Springport. They won the doubleheader. They won 8-0 and 8-4. East Jackson and Lumen Christie split. East Jackson won the first one 17-3, and then LC won the second half of the doubleheader 11-10. And Waverly, they took care of Jackson High 17-0 and 13-1 last night. Girls Soccer, Onstead 9, Jackson Christian 0. And Western fell to Chelsea 1-0. I know Noah was out at that game. And I think it was a late goal that uh, spurred uh, Chelsea past Western. 0-0 all the way to the end. All the way, yeah. It's usually what happens is when we leave, they score a goal. <laughs> it's just it's <laughs> clockwork with soccer. Uh, boys golf, we have uh, a score Northwest 187, East Jackson 202. And uh, let's get to our on deck tonight. We've got uh, a lot going on, and, and today could be the only, the only day we have games played. So on deck tonight, baseball, Columbia at Hillsdale, Concord at Reading, Springport at Bronson, and then Addison is going to play Michigan Center today. And tonight at the game, the school is honoring Cole Sova uh, with a ceremony at 3.30 today. Stop by and uh, support the program and the, fan and the family. Of course, as you most of uh, everyone knows Cole tragically passed away in that uh, accident at Faster Horses, was a uh, MC baseball player and uh, coach Jerry Slack and the Cardinals. We're going to honor him and his family tonight. So get there and get there before 3.30. That's at Michigan Center. And uh, that's on deck tonight. That's the Extreme Dodge, Jackson County Sports Scoreboard. More online at jtv.tv. Who's on the show today? Today we have Mike Smita from Western Schools, and Mike will join us right after this break. Thank you for listening to this JTV podcast. If your company or organization would like to advertise on a future podcast episode, please contact Molly McClure at viewermail at jtv.tv. JTV, news that brings Jackson together. Welcome back to the morning show on JTV. Today's show is brought to you by our downtown neighbors at the Dirty Bird. Chicken salads, flatbreads, sandwiches, quesadillas, mac and cheese, and appetizers. 40 brews on tap, including Grand River 313 Polish Lager and many Michigan beers like Stouts, Founders, Bells, and more. 140 West Michigan Ave in downtown Jackson, three doors down from JTV. Chicken them out. Uh, joining us now is the uh, superintendent of Western Schools, Mike Smita. Morning, Mike. Morning. Morning, guys. 
busy day for you today. Uh, it, it's been a busy week, and it's only Tuesday morning. <laughs> <laughs> I, I trust that you had a uh, you and the district had a nice break. Uh, I think we all did. Yeah. Um, no, this was it was a good spring break, much needed by a lot of people, and uh, you know it's nice to get back and get spring sports yeah. going. And so let's let's talk about the the bond a little bit. Last time you were on, I incorrectly assumed that it was because you wanted to grow the district and be <laughs> able to take more students, and you quickly said, "No, no, no." Talk a little bit about what uh, what all is proposed in in the bond and um, kind of what the goal is. Right. The, the biggest part of the bond is a forty six million dollar bond. It's a big project, uh, but the key to a lot of this is it's a zero mill increase. Okay. We just want to continue what we've been levying right. for the last ten years. We have three elementary schools, and we've done a really nice job with those schools, maintaining them. Uh, it's been 26 years since we put any money into them of, of significance, and it's getting to that point where they're 60 to 70 years old at the core, and so we want to set the district up for the next 60 to 70 years, and by passing this bond on May 3rd, uh, we're going to be able to do that, and we're going to bring all of our kids onto a, we'll call it a central campus for lack of a better word. The district already has 35 acres across the road from the middle school, high school, and so now we create a, a central campus at Western School District. And this would be, you know, like you said, new building, new construction. Probably not a lot of interruption during the during the regular uh, kids' school yeah. year, right? Yeah. And, and that's the that's the beauty. When you do renovations, which we did back in 2012, you run into that. Okay, we got to move kids around. We got to barricade mm -hmm. things off. Nice thing about this is if, if you look at the graphic. Uh, you see on the left, Western High School with our football field, tennis courts, and the middle school, that's 35 acres. And we have more property than that. But you look across the road, we're talking about 35 acres uh, of some nice uh, flat land uh -huh. that uh, we can build a school. It won't disrupt the three existing elementary schools until it's ready and, and we open it, and then we move kids over. So that's, that's the plan. Well, the question I'm sure is how can you uh, finance a 40 five million dollar project without raising uh, the millage. Right. Uh, you asked me that last <laughs> time, in fact. Good job. No, what, we're, we're in a situation right now in, in the next probably four to five years that we're set for our millage rate to decrease if nothing happens. And it'll decrease uh, pretty significantly. By, by renewing it now and extending it for the 30 years for the $46 million, we're able to keep it at the rate it is now, not raise any uh -huh. uh, millage on people. It's the, based on the current rate. So that, along with the school bond loan fund, allows us to leverage $46 million and invest that into our community. Yeah. When you think of uh, you know the impact down the road, you guys are able to have almost 12, we wouldn't be able to have about 1,200 students at this new campus. Um, I can't wait to see when it gets done, Mike. I'm already looking at that 35 <laughs> acres of blank, blank property. Well, it looks like it's going to be good. Well, what's exciting is uh, we looked at our existing buildings. Our existing buildings cover about 18 acres, the three combined. Hmm. So you're now taking same number of kids, actually a little more square footage, and now you have all this green space. Right. You have space for parking. You have space for youth activities, uh, PE classes grade level appropriate playgrounds, which is exciting. You know, not like we have now where the kids just mix. Uh, so there's a lot of positive, and I know there's some apprehension, but I, I really think in the end of the, at the end of the day, if kids can come into Western School as kindergartners and go through 12th grade together, you create that cohesive bond within that group. It's probably a market for those old school buildings too, especially the ones in Parma and Spring Arbor there's potential, somebody might snap those up. If you have a dollar, we can talk. There you go. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's, it's hard to get rid of old buildings. Right. 
And so, you know, we did build into the bond uh, money for demolition and to return those spaces to green space at this point. Now, what, what the board does down the road for five years, um, you know, you gotta do what's best for the district and the community. We don't wanna be land barons. We don't wanna hold on to property mm -hmm. for future investment. No, we don't wanna do that. Uh, we wanna worry about the facilities we have. Mike Smita, superintendent at Western with us. More with Mike after this. Thank you for listening to this JTV podcast. If your company or organization would like to advertise on a future podcast episode, please contact Molly McClure at viewermail at jtv.tv. JTV, news that brings Jackson together. We're back on the morning show. Mike Smita, Western School District Superintendent, is joining us. And uh, the bond vote, and it's going to be a vote in May. Um, taxes. Well, how, how does that look for taxes? That's what the the uh, homeowner wants to know, right? Absolutely. Well, as a homeowner myself, you know, I, I love my tax bills to go down. Yeah. But uh, with this bond, we're just saying, hey, it's a zero mil increase over what we're currently paying. We just want to extend that out. So to me, that's a positive. I don't care whether yeah. you, I, I don't mean I don't care, whether you own a $100,000 home, a $200,000 million home, the millage rate you're paying now is the millage rate you're going to pay after the a successful vote in May. Good schools make strong communities. Yes, they do. And a strong school has uh, some strong teachers. You have a top teacher uh, at Western Schools. We do. We're, uh, I know that you, you honored one of our other teachers recently, Julie Oliver. and. Mm -hmm. uh, for reward, but uh, Jackson Magazine uh, selected uh, Sarah Anderson, uh, one of our teachers down at Warner Elementary School. Sarah's a second grade teacher, uh, and Sarah does an amazing job, and uh, we're very, very proud of Sarah. You've done well in the uh, Top Teacher Awards over the years. <laughs> we, we have. You know, we have wonderful teachers across the county. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm very proud of what the teachers we have at Western, but uh, I'm really excited for Sarah, and uh, there's a, an award coming up, and so we're excited for that. Cool. Now you're looking for uh, new Western uh, Panther students. It's uh, K Roundup time. Now will these kindergarten gardeners, if bond passes, <laughs> be in that building at some point? Uh, they will. Yeah. Uh, the, the goal is if, if the bond passes, we could open it up as soon as the 24-25 school year. Again, depending on supply chain yeah. and all that business. But uh, we do have our kindergarten annual kindergarten roundup. We're doing a little different. Uh, things are by appointment. This seems to have worked out well. So if parents, uh, even if their school's a choice, uh, if they want to go through the kindergarten roundup process to get some uh, testing and a placement, whether it's young fives or kindergarten, uh, they're welcome to uh, go to the website. And if you go to our district uh, website, you, there's some information to get you on the schedule. It is the time of year. Um, all the end of the uh, school year things uh, coming up. It's looking probably more like a normal um, end of year with prom, graduation, uh, all those plans um, falling into place. Yep, we're, we're moving forward. Graduation's gonna be indoors this year, back to where we were before in, mm -hmm. in our gymnasium. Proms are gonna happen. Um, you know, we're, we're starting to look at staffing levels, starting to look at recruiting teachers. We're, we know we're gonna lose several uh, for various reasons. Uh, and one of our, our biggest losses this spring is Ryan Hackworth. Mm -hmm. uh, Ryan Hackworth had a golden opportunity to, no pun intended, yeah. to go to, the, <laughs> to Columbia and, the, and uh, they offered him a position as AD. And um, it's the right move for him and his family. He lives out there they, and his kids are getting to that age where they're, they're just so active. Yeah. And traveling across the county as much as he loves being a Western Panther and, and he's an alum, 
it just makes sense. And so we're, he's going to be tough to replace. Yeah, the athletic director is uh, one of the toughest jobs in a district. Uh, absolutely. When you, when you have a good one like that, you, you definitely know it for sure. Yes, absolutely agree. He's, he's done wonderful things for the program out at Western and, and really grown our program and our coaching staff. So very proud of him and the work he's done. You're going to miss him. Yeah, well, congratulations to Ryan and good luck. A uh, reminder, uh, tonight, 6 o'clock, your uh, bond meeting? Yes, uh, we've been doing uh, a few different ways of communicating. We've sent out some mailers. Uh, we do have a second bond meeting tonight. We have one in two weeks, but 6 o'clock tonight in the uh, Western Communi Community Arts Center, as well as parents can zoom in as well. Community can zoom in, uh, and that link is online. So there's an opportunity to ask questions and get more information. Great. Mike, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you, John. I appreciate being here. Mike Smida, Western School District. We'll be right back. Dr. Alan Lazara on The Morning Show. Thank you for listening to this JTV podcast. If your company or organization would like to advertise on a future podcast episode, please contact Molly McClure at viewermail at jtv.tv. JTV, news that brings Jackson together. Joining us now on the morning show from Henry Ford Jackson Hospital, emergency room physician, Dr. Alan Lazara. Good morning. Morning. Hi. Good Hi. to see you guys. Welcome back. Hi. What's going on? It, it's, uh, it's been two years. Yeah, it has been. It it's, has been. It's a, you look the same. Thanks. A little more gray. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little stress in life, but... It yeah. all it all abates in time. Let me ask you first. Uh, you know, how do you feel uh, today compared to when this thing started? Oh man, I remember. I remember um, the day that they canceled school. Mm -hmm. um, I remember going to Meyer that night, dropping the kids off at home, picking them up, and the the daycare people were like, uh, "Hey, they're canceling school, and we don't know when it's going to open up again." I said, "Like, I got to go to Meyer and get some pasta," <laughs> and I showed up with like the biggest shopping cart. Yeah. Um, in the checkout area and people were looking at me like I was crazy and I felt a little crazy. I mean, I had a whole lot of camping food and stuff, but I was like, we better get some marshmallows for the kids yeah. too. But um, it was very anxiety producing um, in the beginning, I think, cause you know, the unknown is always, always strikes fear in people's hearts. Mm -hmm. And you know, once you started seeing it leap continents and um, you know, move across the world towards us. Mm -hmm. And it was initially kind of no big deal. We had not that many cases. And then once it hit New York, it was like, this is coming yeah. our way soon and fast. So, um, and I think, so that was the first like kind of spike of anxiety, um, not knowing like how severe it was gonna be, mm -hmm. not knowing what the mortality rate would be. Um, and then the next real stressful situation, so that was like two months or so. And then we started to run out of personal protective equipment. Mm -hmm. That was very stressful because um, I, I think I probably wore the same N95 mask for uh, three weeks, mm -hmm. and then and then eventually I transitioned to like a paint respirator that I had when I was in college and could yeah. get I, the people. And the other thing too is like people would reach out. Like I called this p local paint store in Ann Arbor, and the mm -hmm. guy's like, I don't have any N95s, and I explained why I needed them, and he's like, I can get you some, yeah. and he called me and got me a bunch. Yeah. And, and then the hospital stepped up too in the local community. We talked about people making those masks for us and the gowns and that was, that was super heartwarming because then you felt like you had a shield of armor on mm -hmm. for a while. But that was like, I'd say a really intense like five, six months. Mm -hmm. And then the vaccine was on the horizon and that was very exciting. And so once I got vaccinated, it was, it was you know, the anxiety dropped a lot. Yeah. 
Um, and then also too, like, not to forget like how to treat our, how to treat the patients that were coming yeah. in. We didn't know um, how to treat patients initially. They were breathing so rapidly. Um, no, excuse me. They they weren't breathing very rapidly, but their oxygen was very very low. And so in that situation, we run to intubate somebody and. That turns out that that's not the best policy yeah. uh, that was borne out with science and research. And, and so now we really have it dialed in on how to treat our COVID patients. But unfortunately, the, you know, the virus is uh, very strong, for lack of a better word. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's very virulent. And, and in certain patients, it's, uh, yeah. it's very fatal. You know? And we're seeing you know, a definite drop. I don't think I've seen a COVID positive patient in four weeks. That's going to feel good. It does. It feels great. You know, we're seeing more flu now, I would say, than, mm -hmm. than COVID. Um, but still, the patients that we see are unvaccinated patients, uh, have these kind of smoldering illnesses where it's high cholesterol, high blood pressure, kidney disease, diabetes, obesity, all these things that, you know, we, you know, uh, treat with medication, you can live with for a long time. We manage this chronic illness, but it still, it beats your immune system down in the long mm -hmm. term. And that's what, you know, COVID uh, takes advantage of. And so seeing a 38 year old get on a ventilator and not get off a ventilator is, and, and die is, it's horrifying, it's mm -hmm. terrible. But those are the general patients we're seeing now, the people who have yeah. the, and it's who we saw initially too, um, but the people that have these chronic medical illnesses, um, and of course, older patients too have more vulnerability. But I think there's a lot of lessons um, over the last two years. I think you know, you know, the planet and Earth and life is cyclical. You know, this is going to happen again in like a decade, probably. Maybe not to the extent, but you know, we had SARS in the early mm -hmm. 2000s. We had MERS in like 2010, and then you know, this happened now. So it's like every. You know, hopefully, it will be at least a decade before it comes back around again, or some variety of it. Mm -hmm. But um, I think being better prepared with stockpiles of masks and knowing the protocol, I think our generation will all go like, okay, put the mask back yeah. on. Um, and I think wearing a mask in the department is gonna be a, a pretty consistent thing during flu season at the very least mm -hmm. for a long, long time. Um, I think patients, I mean, you know, we don't want people coughing on each other. If yeah. You can help it, right? Yeah, I, I don't wanna be coughed on. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Nobody likes that. But I think better preparation, I think long-term, um, I think people will take it um, seriously, but I think we'll also understand the lessons of, you know, the, the, um, how to better handle the, uh, like the shutdowns and right. things like that. I think if people are able to wear masks and we have vaccines and we have more compliance with that, then things can stay more open and we don't have to make the streets empty. Um, you know, because that, that was awful for everybody mm -hmm. too. A lot of people said, you know, is the cure worse than the disease? Um, and I think there was a lot of, there was a lot of uh, harm that, that happened that was unseen. Um, yeah. Well, we, during kinda, this we argued about that. You kind of argued about it daily at that yeah. time. You weren't really sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, kudos to you and the staff. And just thinking about some, you know, you probably had some new employees that started during the pandemic. Oh, for sure. I mean, just everything. And you're also trying to treat uh, everyone else that's there for surgeries or yeah. heart attacks. It's, it's amazing yeah. to think about it. Yeah, when we shut down, we knew that there was a lot of the people who were having heart attacks weren't just going away. They were mm -hmm. staying at home. You know, we know that there were people that were staying at home with, with bad illnesses that should have come into the ER. And that's a very difficult balance to try and manage a, a, an epidemic, a pandemic, and then still have people who need to come to the ER, come right. to the ER. Um, 
yeah, to the point we had a lot of, we have a lot of new nurses. We had a lot of nurses transition uh, to other sites and to uh, work in other clinics. Um, and I have an immense amount of admiration for um, our respiratory therapists, our nurses, our ICU nurses, the ER nurses, floor nurses, everybody, because they're, they're hands-on with the patients. Mm -hmm. And I can literally look at a COVID patient from the doorway and tell whether or not they need to be intubated. Um, but uh, they're the ones that are administering all the medicines. They're in the room with them, you know, mm -hmm. literally like, you know, a foot away from face yeah. to face and, and taking care of these poor people. So they're the, they're the angels, the workhorses, they're the ones that are doing most of the work. Mm -hmm. So you, you actually lost colleagues. Um, I didn't personally have um, anybody in our department, but I know that there was uh, a nurse or two at, at Henry Ford who, who did die from COVID. Um, and we've had, you know, transport techs or other nurses die from the flu. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, it's a, it's a real uh, rarity, but you know, it's, there's a lot of there's a lot of things to talk about mm -hmm. about you know whether or not to get vaccinated yeah. and and um, you know from from my experience I think that in in reading all that I've read and listening to really intelligent people talk about this I mean there's no debate in my mind about getting vaccinated you know um, and so yeah it's a shame when that happens because there's something that can prevent that I mean mm -hmm. we've had. It's really run the gamut. We've had people, you know, people say, are you vaccinated? And they say, oh, yeah. And I'm just like, good for you. Mm -hmm. That's great. People say, I'm not vaccinated. I said, we got to talk about that. We'll yeah. talk about that in like five minutes. Why are you here today? Okay. Like, yeah. I want to stop pulling my hair out sure. because I'm, I'm worried about you. Yeah. I'm also like, I don't want to, you know, we don't want to deal with this for another two years. Like, tell me why you don't want to get it. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I couldn't get it. You know, my primary care doctor, this doctor told mm -hmm. me I shouldn't get it. And that's not true. Right. But, <laughs> um, it's fine. You know, everybody's yeah. got their own reasons, but it's not a, it's not a time in, in the ER. We have to establish rapport so quickly. Yeah. There's no time for criticism. There's just time for why and how can I help, you know, because, uh, you have a real opportunity because somebody is in a, they're in a really bad situation. Otherwise they wouldn't be in the emergency department most of the time. And they're, they're vulnerable listening, hopefully to what you have to say there mm -hmm. for your opinion. Just say, look, my grandparents got it. My whole family got it. All my colleagues got it. Everybody's fine. Pregnant nurses got it. You know, everybody's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, what are you worried about? So, yeah. did it change people's minds in oh, the yeah. little conversation? For sure, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, um, especially I think younger people who are not um, just not sure about like the um, whether or not they need to get it and, you know, saying like, yeah, this week we've had to treat this many people mm -hmm. in the department and like, you don't want to spread it to your grandmother. And I think cause the motivation is not as big there because, um, they don't feel like they're going to get really ill. Mm -hmm. And that can be a, a selfish decision, I think in the, in the long term because nobody operates in a, a bubble. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, we have a real opportunity, whether it's, you know, somebody comes in in camo gear and they're there for a heart attack and I say, hey, do you wear a harness? Sure, uh, great. Mm -hmm. Or a kid who comes in and broke his arm, was riding his bike, were you wearing a helmet? No, I, you really gotta wear a helmet. Mm -hmm. I, I saw a kid last week who, you know, had a really horrible head injury. You know, there's a real opportunity, I think, to say mm -hmm. something. Um, yeah. And it, we should. Yeah, that's great. So. How about um, all the things that um, people put on the back burner 
because they were afraid to come into the ER. I know there was mm -hmm. you know, a period of time where everyone was just staying away sure. out of fear. Yeah. Ha has that improved? Yeah, I would say the overall severity of illness that we're seeing is higher than normal. Our volumes are, are down, I think, by like 10 to 20%, maybe. Um, but the severity of illness is higher, and I think that's the aftershocks of people not uh, engaging in care or not seeing their primary care doctors or not having access um, during these. It was particularly worse you know, months ago, but we're still seeing some mm -hmm. of those after effects, like somebody who was supposed to get uh, uh, an EGD or a scope to look at their stomach and they come in with a bleeding stomach ulcer. You know, that's a perfect example. I've seen that a number of times. Um, why they weren't able to get it. Maybe we had nursing shortages. Maybe they didn't feel comfortable coming to the hospital. Maybe the appointments got backlogged for so long. There's a lot of reasons, but um, yeah, we're open 24 hours a day. You know, <laughs> use your primary care doctor. We're for yeah. You know, we're for the gaps in care, we're for emergencies, um, but also call your primary care doctor. There's a lot of preventative stuff that you can do to not be seeing me or mm -hmm. a number of my colleagues, so. Yeah, um, you know, we're still seeing overseas, uh, and China's got a huge problem right now. Yeah. Um, is that anything that, that should concern us here? I mean, I don't have, to be honest, like, I was so mired in keeping up to date with what was going yeah. on and uh, for like a year and then I kind of pulled back because it was it just wasn't uh, good to bury my head in that for mm -hmm. that long and then so I imagine yes but I think it, this is a supposition on my point I think that they were so strict with their lockdowns that not many people got COVID compared right. to here that now they're getting exposed to a new variant and it's um, more infectious and so uh, and I don't know if they're using similar, I don't know if they're using the same kind of vaccines over there or what their vaccine rate is. Um, but yeah, I think infectious disease is always gonna be with us. It's been with us since humans have been around. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, since we've been living with animals, cows, pigs, you know, there's transmission of viruses from, from animals to humans. So it's always gonna be with us. It's always gonna be concerned, but uh, staying healthy in general, getting sleep, you know, you are what you eat, exercise, take care of your body, not smoking, mm -hmm. um, preventative things like wearing your seatbelt, uh, all these like small things that seem small, but in the long term, mm -hmm. you know, it will, it will help us stay, stay healthy as a population. Um, and one of those things for infectious disease is obviously washing your hands and coughing into your elbow. I think everybody learned yeah. how to cough into your elbow. Like yeah. that's a big that deal. That has gotten a lot better. That's a big thing. Like my kids, like <laughs> yeah. you're not allowed to cough into your right. hand. Like you will learn this early on. Yeah, there so. has been some good things uh, for kids hygiene. For sure. Out of this. Well, <laughs> for sure. you know, and so there has been some good things, but also on the other end, there's also some detriment too. So I think that we have to encourage, uh, you know, our kids not to be afraid of other human beings, right? Somebody mm -hmm. like sharing a drink with somebody else, you know, or like, you know, having a sneeze or a cough, like, are you gonna get cold? I think that there's an anxiety problem that's yet to be revealed that, yeah. you know, when can I take my mask off? You know, when can I, um, uh, when can I gather and in in, go to a rock concert? You know yeah. I mean? I went to a concert, a small concert, uh, a couple weeks ago, and I'm not gonna lie, I felt really uncomfortable <laughs> for a while. So, yeah. um, you know, right. you get into these places where it's maybe mask optional and, and kind sure. of everyone just walks in and just looks around at oh, each yeah. other. You know, no yeah. one really has their own idea of what they're <laughs> going to do. Just sure. play it by ear. And that's kind of how society is. Yeah. I mean, you can't, it's, 
Yes, we, we have a lot of freedom of choice, but we're all in the social contract that mm -hmm. we decide that these are the general rules. Like you don't get to drive on the other side of the street because it's a danger to everybody else, right? So yeah. we have some, some limitations of freedom. It's not anarchy. Um, and I think if there's things that make sense, like I'm gonna wear a mask while there's a huge pandemic going on, yeah. that just makes sense. Like it doesn't cost me anything, right. you know? Um, but I think, yeah, some of these anxieties and fears that um, we're gonna have to deal with the ramifications of in our, in our kids and getting back to normal. Um, but you, know, you have to, right? Yeah. The kids need to be around other kids. They're so happy to be in school, so happy to mm -hmm. be around their, their uh, peers. You know, and it just speaks to the, the social nature of you know, human beings. Like we need to be around in a community, but we can all do great things as a community too. So, there's a lot of lessons. The, uh, the pandemic kind of put everything else on a back burner as far as mm -hmm. you know, public awareness on what's um, happening uh, public health wise. Police, EMS used to uh, tell me that number one call was uh, drug overdoses. Sure. Um, that didn't change, We're still seeing, you're still seeing that. So you know, it's so interesting you bring that up. So um, we just had a, uh, a few meetings at the hospital and I was on a phone call yesterday um, and we were talking about how we're gonna address, because let's not forget the last epidemic we were dealing with, which is the opioid epidemic in the United mm -hmm. States, which is, has not gone away. Um, and so there's been a big push to decrease the amount of uh, opioids prescribed, which is the right thing, because the best way to prevent opioid addiction is to keep opioid naive patients naive and not give them- Never have them. Never have them. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a, reason, there's a reason and a time for, you break your leg, you break your arm, you know, you're gonna need some morphine, right. and I'm gonna give that to you, okay? So you have acute pain, but chronic pain treatment, you know, um, there was a, a great study that came out of the University of Michigan where they uh, surveyed uh, surgeons in these post-operative post patients and said, how many pain pills are you giving to this post-operative gallbladder patient or appendectomy? And it was all over the place. It was like, we give 30 days, mm -hmm. we give one week, we give three days or whatever. And so they, they just said, this is enough, we're gonna, this is what we recommend based off the research. This is what people need, and so that was a great that was a great paper that came out, and um, it really put some some science behind what do people really need. And we know that pain control with alternating Tylenol and Motrin is is uh, very effective. Back to the initial discussion, opioids are still a big problem. Uh, we realize that Jackson had uh, a tremendous had a tremendous opioid problem. Um, couple years ago, I would see maybe two overdoses a shift. Wow. Now I don't see as many, um, and for what reason, I'm not sure. Maybe um, we see a lot more methamphetamine use now than we used to because people have transitioned. Opioids are harder to get, so now they're doing methamphetamines instead, which those stink as well. Those are not fun drugs to deal with because people are, they go from taking a nap and not breathing to being like wild and crazy and hard to control. Hmm. Um, uh, so that's not a fun, fun pathology to deal with in the department. But, so prevention is a big deal, but on the other end, you know, we look at this, there's a graph that I had this meeting um, that shows the number of prescriptions going down, but the number of overdoses going up. And so like, why would that happen? It happens because people can't get the pills. Um, people with opioid use disorder can't get pills uh, like they used to, and so then they're turning to street drugs like heroin. Mm -hmm. Heroin has been adulterated with fentanyl and carfentanil because if you cut the heroin with a small amount of fentanyl, you make it more potent, you can sell more, make more money. Um, and, and kill people. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's, it has an immense street value. I think something I read, like uh, a kilo of fentanyl has like a, 
two or three million dollar street value, like a kilo of gold is only worth like forty thousand no, dollars. That's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah it's it's a crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, so, uh, in order to deal with that, there's a lot of different um, there's a lot of different options, and uh, you know, a lot of times when somebody comes in and they're withdrawing from heroin, we give them medicines to treat the symptoms. We give them you know, anti-nausea medicine, we give them uh, stomach cramping medicine to stop that, we give them some, some Ativan or something to help calm them down. But really it doesn't, it doesn't meet the need that their brain chemistry is mm-hmm. craving and needs because they've become physically dependent and uh, addicted. And so in order to treat that, there's another medication called Suboxone uh, or Bupropion is the, the active ingredient. Suboxone is a trade name. And bupropion is a medication that helps um, not only slightly stimulate that opioid receptor, but also block it. So if somebody is trying to take more opioids, like Percocet or heroin, it won't it won't go into the receptor hmm. because it's bound so strongly to that opioid receptor. And so you can turn somebody who was uh, physically addicted and spending all day trying to get uh, uh, to try and avoid withdrawal to try and meet those cravings and satisfy that brain chemistry from somebody who's addicted to somebody who's dependent upon a medication that can be prescribed by a primary care doctor or an ER physician. Um, and then you can get on a maintenance therapy and you can maintain your therapy at home. You can get back to being with your family. You can be functional in society. Um, you can reduce crime rates, uh, et cetera. And that's a, it's been on the scene for probably, I don't know, like 20 years. Um, but it has really gotten a lot more steam um, over the last 10, and it's an, an opportunity for our hospital system to um, meet the needs of this patient population. And it's it's a very uh, it's a very lethal situation. If you come into the ER with an overdose, um, you have a 10% chance of dying that year. Wow. Yeah, mm. and these are young people. You know, right. and you might not save everybody, um, but you could save. I don't know how much is a human life worth, right? Yeah. To that, to that mom or that child, yeah. or um, so uh, the big push I think for me personally in the next uh, year is to try and work with a lot of really smart people. We have um, primary care clinics that are uh, you know widely available, and we have very motivated physicians on our uh, psychiatric team as well. Um, some of which have been prescribing this medicine for a long time. We have a, a robust social work network as well, um, and you know, reaching out to partners in the community like the Victory Clinic and other clinics to try and figure out how to best meet the needs of this patient population because it's not going to go away. Mm-hmm. We're going to stop prescribing the opioids. People are still going to find a way because their brain chemistry has changed, mm-hmm. and uh, it takes a lot. And medical uh, addiction therapy is, you know, it's it's proven to reduce overdoses, proven to help people get to. Um, recovery, uh, abstinence is not. It just doesn't happen. It's the kind of the similar argument that you know uh, certain groups can make about sexual education. Just mm-hmm. don't do it. Well, you can't just put your head in the sand. It's it's not going to happen. Okay. Human nature is human nature. People are going to seek the things that make them feel good, and so we might as well try and live with reality and say these patients have not gone away. These patients need mm-hmm. need more therapy. So. We appreciate all your time with us sure. uh, over these last couple of years and all that you do to keep our community uh, safe and healthy. Thanks, thanks for coming in. Absolutely. Anytime. Anytime. Thank you.
from Jackson or Henry Ford Jackson Hospital and the uh, emergency department, emergency physician, Dr. Alan Lazara. Thank you for listening to this JTV podcast. If your company or organization would like to advertise on a future podcast episode, please contact Molly McClure at viewermail at jtv.tv. JTV, news that brings Jackson together. Welcome back to the morning show on JTV. Today's show is brought to you by Vermeulen Furniture, now in their third generation of being family owned and operated. They provide themselves or pro pride themselves on uh, providing high quality name brand furniture at affordable prices. Thanks to Vermeulen Furniture for helping us bring you today's show and happy belated birthday to Coach Nate. Yes, happy birthday, Nate. Oh, we should mention uh, the Dr. Lazara interview we taped on uh, Friday to yes. accommodate his schedule. Yes, that's yes. why our clothes are different. <laughs> MDOC is hiring. They've got another job fair on Saturday. Just stop in anytime between 9 a.m. and 2 p.m. at the Jackson Area Correctional Facility Training Building at 3500 North Elm. They are hiring corrections officers, show up, uh, dress up, and get ready to uh, begin a new career with MDOC. The uh, Transportation Security Administration, we were talking about uh, some of the things they find at the uh, airports. Well, yesterday, uh, New England uh, surprised the gentleman. He was going through a, a checkpoint <laughs> with a cane, and they discovered uh, when they disassembled the cane, it actually had a sword Yeah, there's inside. a lot of those out there. The passenger was unaware <laughs> that he was bringing a sword on a plane. <laughs> I'm sure he was. I was at uh, someone's house once, and uh, their grandfather had a cane collection, and he said, this is my favorite one, and he squeezed the handle of it, and a knife shot out of the bottom <laughs> of it, and I was like, oh, okay. So I am familiar with these, uh, yeah. this weaponry. I'd like one. I think it's uh, pretty popular. I think actually most canes do have weapons in them. It's handy. Uh, who's coming up uh, tomorrow? Well, if you're, uh, you know, you're interested in a career in corrections, tomorrow morning's going to be a great opportunity to tune in, hear from the warden, Noah Nagy, and he'll also have corrections officer Kenyatta Patterson from the G. Robert Cotton Correction Facility. True Story explores a new corner of Jackson's past each month. From railroads to rock music, True Story uncovers the hidden history that makes Jackson so special. Tune in Fridays at 3.30, 7.30, and 10.30, only on JTV.